the radical left, the Marxists, the anarchists, the agitators, the looters, and people who, in many instances, have absolutely no clue what they are doing. Welcome to What Radicalized You, a podcast of stories and experiences that have shaped people's ideas about our world and the way society should function. My name is Lyric Sellers. I am a freshman at Iowa State. I would consider myself a community advocate or youth justice activist. And as far as what radicalized me, I would definitely say it's just a mixture of my experiences. A lot of the work that I've done has been in the realm of education and just bettering the education system for marginalized students and students who have been underrepresented historically and even in present day. Just having those experiences and seeing like in what ways that the system has failed me and and people that looked like me growing up, it just made me kind of want to um, change those things for students in the future and students now. Also my upbringing, I was around a lot of community members who did lots of advocacy. I was exposed to it at a very young age. My mom did a lot of work with the community and still does and just has really just been involved in all kinds of things that are for the betterment of the community and the betterment of specifically the Black community a lot of times because that's, you know, who we are. I think that I've been more radicalized recently. I definitely started out interested in social justice and wanting to be an activist my entire life, but I wasn't really sure what that looked like in the beginning. Around my junior year when we first started to really pursue our uh, racial equity efforts and our agenda. I think that's when I really became radicalized because it's when I realized that change is very possible, especially if people make it a priority. Really what radicalized me is that entire experience with removing SROs and, and just really going off of the racial equity proposal we had in general. The push for SRO removal was part of a a racial equity proposal and so when our district made like a statement saying we would commit to anti-racism and equity we knew that we couldn't uphold a systemically racist institution in our schools while also like claiming that title of anti-racism kai and roa who are two students that graduated from roosevelt they had conducted a survey in which it was just an opportunity for students and staff and just community to talk about their experiences with sros and a lot of people like shared really traumatic things that have happened involving the school resource officers and so i think we just really use those experiences to serve as uh, validity and like made that the center of the argument is just like we can't allow students to feel this way in their buildings even just people having interactions or being around police like a lot of people of color feel really uncomfortable around police like i know myself i don't really feel safe around police at all they just really communicated that they didn't get their sense of safety from police and if anything it just added more tension in the building like you automatically feel felt this sense of distrust when you walk into your school building and like you're met with, you know, armed officers in your buildings. 
we had a racial equity proposal that we presented to the school district post the getting out of school for COVID. I would say about March or so is when we came up with it. We presented it when the whole world was at an uproar and we had the murder of George Floyd take place and everyone was advocating and protesting. And that led to our district making a proclamation saying that they would dedicate energy, all this, to being an inclusive district, an equitable district, and an anti-racist district. And so really we just took that as the opportunity to have words to hold them accountable to. Because as we all know, there was lots of people who were kind of just saying things to say things at that time, but we were able to see who was really dedicated and who was going to put action behind their words. We had all kinds of things on this racial equity proposal, having like more teachers of color, having diversity trainings and equity trainings for staff, and then obviously getting rid of SROs and implementing a restorative justice plan even the the removal of the East High mascot, which was at the time an, an indigenous caricature, having that removed. Also the decolonizing of whitewashed curriculum and the creation of new courses. We kind of just went down that list and tried to figure out in what ways that we could address these things. Cause when we first brought it up to the district, they were a little more resistant, I would say like, they were inviting of the ideas, but there were excuses being made, whether it was like budget or things like that, which we all know is very like a prevalent issue in education, obviously. But we just felt like these things that we were asking for were essential when we talk about being anti-racist. And if we're going to do it, you know, we can't ride the fence or do it halfway. Like it's, it's a commitment. And also that these things were very important as far as ensuring an experience that is equitable for students. And so we knew that by collecting the data along the way that these issues that we were bringing up were very prevalent to many students. And so for anyone to be having an experience in where they feel uncomfortable or unsafe, that means that something has to change. We also wanted to emphasize that this was not like an attack to our district. This was not a fight against it. It was us wanting to work with them, but knowing that like whether or not they were going to be inviting of our ideas that we were going to push for it. And so whatever route we had to take or whoever, whatever loops we had to jump through, we did. The goal was just to be on the same page about things, especially after they mentioned these things that we all found important and all wanted to accomplish. It really just went to show like what I was capable of and what students were capable of as a whole. There was just no approach that wasn't radical that was going to get us the results that we got. And I think that's kind of a shift that had to happen on our brains is that sometimes you have to know that these systems, it's not that they're broken, but that they work according to design. And so that the way that they've been working, it's systemically created to not work for certain people. A lot of times people kind of get tied up in this mentality of working within the system, but knowing that the power really lies with the people. And so I think that especially me and Andy's approach, it was really just that grassroots organizing and connecting with the people in our community so that they were able to trust us and felt comfortable with whatever moves we made and know that they were the reason for them every time. We definitely received lots and lots of pushback. And I think the thing that 
kept me very solid in my stance is that we all at the end of the day wanted a safe school district and we wanted to feel safe in our schools. Parents wanted their students to feel safe. Everyone wanted that feeling of safety. There was no one that didn't want that. And so when we look at who was the most resistant, it was definitely the people that weren't in the school. Again, just was another confirmation in why we would see that disconnect and why we had to keep pushing for those who actually were like walking these halls every day. Having that different perspective on like how we wish our school experience was and how the school system worked for us, we weren't really blurring any lines or anything with that political approach that people were putting on it. The collective was we wanted safer schools. It was a pro-safety movement. And so I think the people that were the most resistant and the most against it were those who, one, weren't in the school, but two, weren't listening to the students' experiences. And those who didn't know, like, the data that surrounded how the SRO program was actually working. Even still today, when we present on this, when we talk to school board members, when we talk to other districts, other cities, other states, like, whenever we, we show them this data and we show them the student experiences, everyone's always shocked. I think the shock factor has, like, decreased now that we've kind of upped that education aspect of it. But people are still kind of like really moved by like what is said, especially like the school board members. I know that prior to the school board meeting that they would actually vote on it. We sent them this data that we collected with the Department of Human Rights. And I think it just pushed them in being more adamant about supporting us. At the same time, I feel like we were getting resistance from the right people. Like there are just certain people that I don't want to agree with me or I need to do some checking in with myself because looking at it from that perspective made me take things a lot less personally because I was like there's just some people I don't want to agree with but I think there's always still room for that education piece that just led us to our next move and that was education this was like our first real experience with activism and organizing it was like a chain of reaction, I guess. And so what I did is I went into the Des Moines Public Schools website under every school listed. I wrote down the email of like the principal and all the associate principals just made this mass email chain of every principal and associate principal. And we invited them to this like large Zoom meeting and we'll have just a general conversation about what it is that we're advocating for and why, and then just gather some insight on where your head's at and what areas do we agree, what we, where do we disagree, just what are concerns that people may have. And I think that was kind of one of the smartest decisions we made because we saw an entire culture shift take place even prior to any position being removed, any school board meetings being had, like we were able to see people change their mindset when they simply were presented with the information and with the reasoning behind things because like a lot of people just came up with their own because they just didn't have the opportunity to talk to us or hear from us. Within that meeting or those three meetings, like there were staff that were like, oh, how do we talk to you guys about how we can improve our building and how can we organize with you students who are on here and who are obviously involved and how can we do this at a building specific level? Those three big meetings led to the creation of our team, which was the racial equity and justice team. 
And so with this, it was just an opportunity for us to have organizers or students that were able to like organize within their school with their staff. And then we were able to come together monthly and talk about things on a, on a district level. I think that was just like one of the first things that we did that was able to get people that were originally hesitant and resistant to just rethink things. And so in the end, we saw that the numbers and people that felt that they, that we needed police in schools overall went down. We did get SROs removed in February of 2021. Um, that's when they had the school board meeting that would essentially vote on it. Prior to that, we met with each of the school board members individually, and it was kind of our opportunity to just be like, you know, like when we get to the meeting, like, will there be any surprises? Like just talking about how they were feeling about it at the moment and like what would keep them from voting in favor of removal. For the most part, like each school board member did say that they were supportive of the removal. So it was just kind of an opportunity to address any last minute concerns or anything like that. When it did come time, there was some type of like policy or something that they had put in place that it basically was saying that in a circumstance like this, they would be supportive of whatever the superintendent felt best to do. And the superintendent was part of working with the community school coordinator and they like helped to draft the plan, the restorative justice plan. And so they didn't really like vote, like they just, basically said that they support the superintendent's decision, which was, I guess, their vote, but either way, it got SROs out of school. So after that is when we had like the hiring for the new positions for the new staff that would enter the building. When we did talk about like getting SROs removed, we met with lots of different like mental health specialists, therapists, counselors like and talked about like what their day-to-day -day looks like or look like currently and then like what it would look like if it was aspiring at its full capacity and like we even asked them like do they think that from their experiences with students do they feel officers in schools made students feel safer just based on what they've heard they just talked about the same things like students were lacking these services and it's really hard to like reach a number of students especially when there's such little investment in those services. So what we proposed was to have more mental health services, but to also have restorative justice staff that came in and they were basically the first people that, that students would be met with rather than an SRO. So instead of being met with someone that could criminalize you, it's someone that could actually help to get to the root cause of the issue and then choose how to move forward from there. Having a sense of community and having those relationships that are essential in a school building. When we've had lots of community conversations about safety post SRO removal and even before and after like students when talking about what makes them feel safe like I've never once heard that it was a police officer. Like it's always been having community and having involvement from people that attend schools and having school events and having safe spaces and clubs and things like that, like things that belong in schools. And I think the idea that police belong in schools is just such a false, a false sense of what school should look like. Like I think when I 
imagine my ideal school setting like it shouldn't have to have those like extreme measures like I think of joy and learning and things like that and I think that people really when they find their sense of community like they feel the most safe and there's certainly a lot of components to that because when we talk about restorative justice as that's the alternative to having SROs in school was the restorative justice plan and the new implementation of like staff and different procedures and services like it takes not only that restoration in schools but in the community and I would say that's the biggest part that's lacking right now but there's definitely like work being done to achieve that when I think of that I think of like these students that walk into our buildings they come from these communities so without investing time and resources in those communities like you're not going to see students who are there to learn and be successful in, in school when they're not having that same investment in their community so it's like there's two parts to it and I think that there's constantly like attacks toward public education that make it even a bigger obstacle but like when thinking of safety I just think of community and like collective liberation that was something that was at the core of our activism is just having that for students and giving them a place to be heard because they ultimately know what they want their school buildings to look like and feel like so constantly having them at the table to to make that more like achievable and like let them know that they're that that's what we're working toward rather than them just talking about it and not doing anything we currently are finishing up our toolkit and how other districts could do similar work or if they needed something to like refer to and so that's something that we're going to release soon because we like prior to the SROs being removed, like we did lots of like presentations, but like we can't be everywhere at once. So I think this is just another like source for people to have. And we attend Iowa State University now. And so we're kind of trying to mirror this there, but it's a lot trickier. Like, I don't know. I think like I would never say it's impossible, but it's going to take a lot more time than it did in Des Moines Public Schools, especially because people tend to slow down when the whole world is not protesting and marching about it. And so I think that's something that definitely influenced a lot of like what happened along with like our organizing, of course. But I think at that time, people were all in this radical sense of thinking and unfortunately like that dies down in a lot of people who aren't in it for the right reasons or just need the whole world convincing them to to care there's a lot of things we learned like looking back at how things went with Des Moines Public Schools because obviously it's a different setting there's a lot more people it's a different age and everything but like also like what in what ways that we would have navigated things differently hindsight is 2020 so going off that experience and how we can better it for moving forward and trying to do this in other districts and do this at a university level if something's a priority and made a priority it will get done and no matter how long that takes i think we're very dedicated and we have a dedicated team to doing that we also lead a team called the color of love it's students at iowa state who just need that community students of color come in and like 
we just talk about in what ways that our experiences can be better and be made better based on just being students of color that attend a PWI. Like it's just, it's enough in itself, but I think having that sense of community and people that are action oriented is really important. Sometimes we think about the fact that like, how much more could we be doing with our studies and focusing on certain things school-wise and like career-wise if we weren't having to take so much time and fix these problems in, in trying to like better our education experience. That's just another aspect of privilege that we don't really focus on and just time and energy that goes into this kind of work and where we're trying to fix the education system for ourselves all the time and it just takes away from like how much we can dedicate to like studies and stuff I'm like I'm just thinking like how much time is one of my peers my white peers focused on studying for this exam we have having um, coming up while I'm here trying to work with other students to make our experience less oppressive. And I think even doing that as a high school student was just as hard. What we're doing really is using the results that we saw in Des Moines Public Schools to really prove that this can work and it can be successful, even though it may look a lot differently. Like you can't have one approach to everything, but it's definitely something to pull from because in Des Moines Public Schools, we saw like a 79% decrease in the amount of students that were, um, or the amount of complaints being made on a DMPS location. So that's like reducing the amount of students going into the criminal justice system drastically. And that's just with the pilot year of SROs being removed. And so I think now we're also just looking at ways to improve safety overall and how can we sustain these efforts in a way that's not like we just removed SROs and implemented this new plan and now like we'll see how it goes. Like just how can we make sure that people feel supported throughout the process and how can we keep bettering it? Because we always talk about like if people are still doing the, the same thing that we were doing like five 10 years from now, then we didn't do our job right. Because what our goal was is to leave students that felt capable leading this work and really just pushing their own agendas in ways that they see that the school system can work better for them and other, and other students. So things should constantly and consistently be changing because the people that are entering those buildings are constantly and consistently changing as well.